0: Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now, here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon.
1: Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. Thanks for joining us today here at Adoption Now. We love telling adoption stories and people's experiences. Today, I'm so honored to have my friend, Megan Clark, on the show. Megan is adopted from Korea. Megan, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. So let's talk about your story. Yeah. So um,
0: when I was 11 months old, my parents adopted me from Korea. They had adopted my sister prior, about five years prior to um, adopting me. Um, they, they tried to have children but were unsuccessful. So they started the adoption
1: process um, because they wanted to have kids. And at what age did they bring your sister home?
0: She was two years old. Um, and she was so well-behaved and it was so easy that they were, they decided to, to try for the second for me.
1: And how old was the sister when you came? She was, she would have been,
0: um, seven or seven years old.
1: Oh, wow. So you guys are six years apart. Yes. Okay. So your parents apply to adopt from Korea. Now, do you know that process, what that was like? Um, Well, from what they say, uh,
0: they actually were going to adopt kids from Vietnam. Um, It was sort of during the time um, they were airlifting kids out of Vietnam, um, but found that the process became really complicated. There were some glitches that happened, and so decided to switch adoption agencies, which ultimately led them to Korea. And um, they went through an adoption agency out of Oklahoma, and, um, I think for me, I was talking to my mom actually this morning to ask her some questions and she said that, um, it took about eight months to, um, find me. And then, um, they expected to, to get me when I was eight months, but, um, some, some things happened and, and had to wait several more months to get me. And I came when I was 11 months old.
1: Do you know your story? Do you know where you were born? And- um, what happened yeah, to you before? Yeah, I was before?
0: born in Busan City. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was born in Busan P- City, Korea, South Korea. And um, apparently my mother was 22 years old. Um, she was unmarried. Um, when she had me, um, they, have, they have a little bit of background history, not a lot. But um, I, I ultimately lived with a foster mother who took care of me between the time of, of um, her having me and when I came here to America.
1: So you live the whole time in one foster home? As far as they know, that's that's what they
0: think, but um, that's what my parents were told. But I, I know that some people have gone back and found their, their birth or their biological families and, and found that the story they were told by the adoption agency wasn't necessarily what actually took place.
1: So my husband and I, you know, have three adopted children, and we did— internet, we did not do international, we did domestic infant adoption. So when I'm asking you these questions, um, it's just because it's a world that I don't understand or know. But I assume when you hear foster care, it's, it seems like that's an American term, like we use foster care, but other countries use orphanages. Mm -hmm. And so when you say in Korea, they had a foster care system, did that mean that you weren't in an orphanage? Or were there other children? What does that look like?
0: I think I started out at an orphanage, but ultimately was placed with this woman who actually is in the picture with me that was sent um, to my parents prior with a a detailed description of how I ate and what my activity was and things like that. But they know very little about this woman, just that um, she's holding me
1: and smiling in the picture, and, and that's all I know. So you don't know if there were any other kids in the home? I have no idea now. That's interesting because when we did another interview um, with a mom went to the Congo to pick up her son, she had also moved him into a foster care home. So he was in an orphanage. And then once they got matched, then he got moved to a foster care home and stayed and got much better care. Because in the foster care system in other countries, it's so much better than living in a giant um, facility like an orphanage. So... Mm -hmm. Do you think that, um, do your parents say like, we, we were looking for a child that was in foster care and not in the orphanages? Or do you think they had any choice in that?
0: I don't think back then they had much of a choice. It was the early 80s. Um, I think looking back on it as an adult, um, as me being adult and, and them um, evaluating their experience, I, I had a very difficult time transitioning after I came over. Um, I think from what my mom and dad say, I cried for about a whole year. Um, I think I had attached to that, that foster mom and ultimately was, was taken away from, from the only person I knew. And uh, we had a very difficult time um, when I got here. Uh, yeah,
1: so really, I think that's part of. So tell me um, a little bit about that process. Did they go to Korea and get you? No, back then, they just drove to Chicago O'Hare Airport and picked me up. Um,
0: I guess there was a plane full of a bunch of Korean children and babies, and um, they, they came to the airport and picked me up and was handed off by whoever it was that took care of me on the flight. And um, they never actually went to Korea um, to pick up my sister either. I guess back then, they, they didn't um, ask you to send the birth parents, or I mean, I'm sorry, the... The adopted parents to spend any time at the in the actual country, so um, they took me home, um, and my mom worked full time. She was a school teacher. They didn't um, give maternity leave to to mothers who had adopted back then, so I think she had to go back to work pretty quickly after. And uh, I had a, I had a difficult time. They said um, transitioning.
1: That's a big change. So here you are in this foster care home with this woman who you know on a day-to-day basis then all of a sudden it, I assume it would be like an escort you know somebody to bring the children over so then the stranger comes picks you up you go on this super long flight you know all the way back here mm-hmm. and who knows maybe was it a straight flight I mean who knows how long that process was for you before you met your parents and then you're being handed over to strangers again Right. And so how do you do you remember any of that? I know you were so young. We don't really remember, you know, before a year, right?
0: No. And and on, honestly, most of the stuff I do know is from what my parents tell me, not, you know, from my own experience.
1: But you did eventually after that year of crying, you did eventually attach to your parents.
0: Yes. So my mom actually, um, I was home a couple weeks ago, and she told the story of when she knew. She actually can remember the the day it happened. Um, I, I like I mentioned, I cried all the time. I think the smells were different. The language was different. Everything was different around my surroundings. So, um, but one day, I guess I was crying, and my mom was holding me and, and controlling me and all of a sudden I, I leaned back in her arms and looked at her and this look of recognition came upon my face. Like I get it. Like I I'm submitting to you. And I, and I took a big sigh and then I laid my head on her shoulder. And after that it was pretty much, I wouldn't say easy for them, but it definitely was the turning point in, in when I felt comfortable, comfortable there.
1: Wow, that's amazing. I bet your mom was like, and I know as an adoptive parent, um, all of us have that moment where we know the child attached. People assume that no matter what age, even at infancy, if you adopt, the child comes to you and say, hi, mom, thanks for getting me. Or the infant doesn't know any better. And so they're just going to come right to you. And it's work for any age when you haven't carried a child in your room for nine months. It's work for a parent to spend that time and to get the child to trust them, even when you pick up from the hospital. I remember there were times looking at my babies and they were looking at me like, I do not know your voice. And they were just teeny tiny babies and realizing, wow, for nine months they've heard this one person's voice and now they're hearing mine. And, you know, I need to keep consoling them and I need to keep being consistent. And it sounds like your parents for that year. They really first of all, were probably very shocked because you it sounds like your sister attached right away, but they were probably very shocked as they had to really work to bond with you
0: well, I think it was definitely an eye opening moment for them um I think that they they didn't know what they were in store for, but ultimately were happy by the end of the end of the
1: yeah. time, yeah. <laughs> Um, do you, as you grew up, so you you and your sister are from Korea, you were, you know, adopted by American Caucasian parents. Um, did you notice like, oh, we're different nationality or no, you just kind of, these are my parents and this is how it is?
0: It's interesting because when I think back to that time, I never felt like I was different. They didn't treat us like we were different, obviously. I think having a sister who, who looked like me was, was helpful. Um, but you know, all my friends, I lived in a, I grew up in a small town in Michigan. All my friends were Caucasian. I, um, you know, it wasn't a very culturally or racially diverse community. So, um, I think a couple of times throughout elementary school, I realized that I was, I looked different, but, um, I think my friends were so used to being my friends and growing up in a very um, protected place, I never felt uh, like being different was a bad thing.
1: How did your parents explain adoption to you?
0: I, I don't think they ever actually explained it to me, like sat me down and explained it. I think it was always something that they celebrated and they told me, stories of, um, you know, how I, I, t- I mentioned earlier that I came three months later and they would show me pictures of my room that was full of gifts because they thought I was coming before Christmas, but I didn't end up coming till February. And um, they would show me pictures of, of my room full of gifts waiting to be opened and um, how they wanted me and waited for me. And they were so excited for me to be a part of, of their family. And you know, my sister and I became an American American citizens when we were small and they celebrated that and had a big party and and they always just made us feel like uh, it was what they wanted all along despite the fact that that um, it sort of was was not necessarily their plan in the first place maybe when they were
1: trying to have children. So you said you attached to your mom did you attach to your dad?
0: You know, I've never asked my parents that, but I think, um, I mean, ultimately, I feel like as an adult, I did, but um, uh, I never have asked them that as a child, how, what, what happened with that. But I, I'm sure I did. Because you're, you're pretty close with your parents now. Yes, very close. I talk to them several times a week. I visit them all the time. Um, so I feel like we have a really great relationship, and I'm very thankful that, that um, God brought us together.
1: We have to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to talk to Megan just about what her parents did to make her feel secure and what we can learn as adoptive parents now with little ones um, to try to create that healthy attachment. And so that when they're older, um, we still are and can be a strong family like she has today. We are going to take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Adoption Now. I'm April Fallon. is listening to the Mighty 670 KLT, Denver.: Hi, this is Noah, April's husband, and I want to thank you for listening to this story on today's program. Do you have an adoption story? April and I have been through our own adoption journey, and I'd like to encourage you to contact us about sharing your story. You can do that by going to our website, adoption-now.com and clicking on the Tell Your Story tab. Let's join together and inspire others. And now let's rejoin April and the rest of today's story.
0: Faith and Family Radio, KLT Denver.
1: Welcome back to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today we're talking to Megan Clark, adopted from Korea. Megan, thank you so much for being here and sharing your story. Thanks for having me. So you were adopted at 11 months. Your parents, it took a year for you to attach and kind of get used to the culture But after that, it sounds like your parents had a really strong connection with you. Yeah, I would say so, from what I can remember. So during the time that you were growing up, I mean, you're adopted from Korea. You're in now a Caucasian family. You have a sister who's six years older than you. Were there times where people stopped you and asked weird questions? Or did you fall into any situations where you thought, uh, this is weird that people are approaching me and saying these things?
0: I remember being, getting made fun of in elementary school, just by the kids that didn't really understand why I looked different. Um, I remember going to dinner with my parents, like, to McDonald's or to, to the local restaurant, and people would stare at us and just trying to figure out what was going on. Um, because I don't, I don't think back then adoption was as, as um, prevalent as it is now. And I think people were just confused and had questions, but maybe didn't feel comfortable enough approaching us to ask them.
1: Did your parents ever address it? With me? Well, both. With you or did you ever say, why are people looking at me? I'm sure I did. And I'm
0: sure they they just explained that, that uh, you know, we... Our family is a little different than other families, and um, some people don't understand. But ultimately, I think they just laughed about it because, um, in general, I don't remember any adults approaching us and saying rude or mean things. I remember in elementary school, I got made fun of by, I was in kindergarten, and a sixth grader who seemed so big and and old, he came up to me and, and made fun of me after school. And uh, one of my friends who was in second grade walked me home to my parents' house and explained the whole situation to my mom because I was just sobbing. I couldn't get out the words to tell her what had happened. And I remember my mom put me in the back seat of the car and got in the car and we drove around to find the sixth grader who had made fun of me. And when I pointed him out, she got out of the car and she got she talked to him about it and she, she got fairly upset about it, but she, she explained to him, you know, she's, she's in kindergarten. She um, doesn't understand what you're talking about. You really upset her. Please don't do it again. And uh, from that point on, my kid was super nice to me and um, mama bear came out. Yeah. Yeah. I'll never forget that. She, she defended me and loved me and, And it meant enough to her to 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 make sure that happened.
1: So, do you feel like that's one of the things that um, that we as adoptive parents can do now to stand up for our children? It's a fine line. Let me tell you, it's a fine line because you know nowadays people approach so much more. You know, and it's a different place, a different state. um, But you get all these questions, and so it's a fine line between: Do I address this person in front of my children? Or do I just smile and and let it go and just be gracious? And how much do you be gracious before the child is like, are you ever going to stand up for me?
0: Right. I think it is a fine line. You're right. And I think parents need to remember that your kid is always watching. If they're around and it's happening, they're paying attention. And um, But I think there's a time to walk away and there's a time to defend. And I'm sure... I'm, I don't know if my mom went in deep into thought about that when that happened. I think she just knew that I was upset and wanted to, to um, console me. But, um, you know, there's always going to be people that, that disagree with, with what's going on. And I think partially due to, to racial issues and tensions going on right now in the U.S. But um, back then, I don't think it was the same. You know, it was different in the early 80s.
1: What advice do you have for adoptive parents? I mean, you you grew up and you have such a great relationship with your parents. You love them. You appreciate one thing about you is that you're such a thankful person, you know, and you don't look at it as um, being a victim or a poor me ever, you know, or I, you know, you just don't carry this um, heavy anger. Sometimes you see in adopted older children, you're just so thankful. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for, you know, caring for me. Thank you for being my parents. What do you think that they did to cultivate that in you?
0: I think it was a series of things that took place that brought me to the place I am now. I think that I didn't have the, you know, everyone has different experiences as far as like how they came to, to the day of their adoption, um, I think that me attaching to that person, although it was hard for or my foster mom, although it was hard for my parents the first year, I think that helped me to, to develop and, and be, uh, emotionally healthy. I think that, um, so coming here and then ultimately attaching to them, I think my emotional health, um, was, was probably, well, I don't, don't want to say better, but, um, it helped. It made it better a better situation for me. And then ultimately, just knowing that my parents loved and supported me, no matter what I did, whether I made mistakes or succeeded, it was always like, we're here to support you. Whatever you need from us, we'll help you. We'll, we'll give you the tools to succeed. And if you fail, we're
1: still here loving you. Do you think that there's anything that they could have done better?
0: The one thing that I wish they would have done is... Um, sent me to, which I didn't even know it existed, and I don't even know if they did either, uh, Korea school. One of my friends was adopted from Korea and lived maybe 30, 45 minutes away from from where I grew up, and I found out um, as an adult that she had gone to Korea school and learned about um, Korean culture, and I think now I wish I would have known a little bit more. I think partially because people ask a lot, like, oh, what is you know, is this thing what people do in Korea? And I really have no idea. I can't answer any of their questions about Korea. Um, so I wish, I wish I would know a little bit more about, about that culture.
1: Do you think that that is across the board? Every kid would like that experience? Or do you think that, so I know some kids that um, they are adopted from Africa and they put them in these, you know, African groups to try to keep, keep the culture alive. Well, because they have memories about Africa, it's very difficult for them. They don't really wanna they, they wanna forget that culture. They want to be American. They they live with Americans. They don't they don't want that. And so they kind of force them into um that situation and it's actually more painful. So do mm-hmm. you feel because I, I, it's an interesting point that you make, um, that you wanted that but didn't get it. And then there are some kids that are thrust into it and they're like, oh, I don't want to learn about where I came from. I'm, I want to focus on my life right now. What would you say um, to a family who's like, oh, gosh, I don't know what to do. Because I just heard this adult, you know, Megan, just say that she wanted that and I'm trying to do that. Isn't that really just about the individual child?
0: I agree with you. I think it is about the individual child, the individual situation. I think, you know, I'm 36 years old. So speaking as a 36 year old, I wish I would have done that. But maybe as a kid in elementary school or middle school, I would have hated it. Um, I think that, um, like I said, I, th- I think there's no one absolute rule that you should follow, is what I'm realizing is that every kid is different. Just like every birth child is different, every adopted child is different. I think some can handle some things, some have interest in some things, and, and some can't handle it. And I think you just really need to um, listen to your kids, pay attention to, you know, their their reactions to things because um, everyone's different. And I don't think you can box it up and say, you're adopted, so therefore we should do X, Y, or Z.
1: I think that's so true. I think that we kind of have gone into that place where, okay, what are you doing? I'm going to do that with my kid and not really taking the time to say, what are the needs of my child? And I can make individual decisions as a mom and make those decisions for my individual child. And even though you, your parents had two kids, I'm sure they would do, were raising them a little bit differently because both of you are so different, even though you're from the same country and you're both adopted, you're two totally different people. Right. Um, and I think back then
0: they didn't have the, the information you have now. They, people didn't necessarily take their kids to therapy or have um, resources like Adoption Now or um, some other things where they could go and, and seek counsel from people who have had the same experiences or, or um, things like that. So I think in some ways they were sort of going into it a little blind as far as how do we raise these adopted kids to the best of our ability? And I think that's what it comes down to is you just have to do your best and hope hope it turns out okay.
1: Okay, so you said that Megan Clark, 36-year-old Megan Clark, would have liked to do these classes for Korea. Does that mean that you're interested in going back to Korea? Do you have an interest in finding your foster mom or your birth mom? I would love to go back to Korea. I haven't been back since
0: I was um, – I left – um, I would love to go back and visit the country. Um, I, I'm, I'm thinking about finding my real mom. I'm not certain I want to, but I'm not necessarily opposed. Um, I've talked to uh, some people from the adoption agency at a brief conversation just inquiring about the level of difficulty. And they said that uh, it could be, it could be a little difficult just because everyone's surnames or everyone's last names are the same there. There's like six different last names and so um, with that becomes a different challenge of of finding this person who probably shares the same name as several other people in the country.
1: What about the foster mom? Would you be interested in finding her? I don't even her? know.
0: Yeah, I don't even know if if they even know her name. Really? I, I think what I what would have to well, i think what would have to have is, of the adoption have on the other end. the adoption agency the for so the Korean adoption agency that the American adoption agency worked with released the records. And I think there is where you're going to find out or where I would find out more information that, that um, like information like that.
1: One thing about our relationship is that uh, I've known Megan since I, you and I were nine, eight or nine. Right. And we went to yeah. church together yeah. and um, really grew up together And my heart has always been adoption. I've always known I'm going to adopt when I get older. And just having you in my life has been so, so eye-opening. And one of the greatest things, and I always encourage other families, if you have an adult friend who has been adopted, what a blessing it is for your children. Because when Auntie Megs comes over to our house and she's with my kids, she's able to say to them, hey, guys, we're adopted. And they kind of look at her like, huh? And she's like, yeah, I was adopted too. And they're seeing this adult person that's not a kid but has a similar story. And it helps us so much when you come over and you say, oh, I think I think they need this. Or, oh, my parents did this with me. You should try doing that. And it just adds this richness of understanding because you're talking from an adult perspective. and But yet you can understand some of the things that they go through as kids And I just feel like how God set that up is such an amazing thing, how much I would need you as an adult and my children would be blessed from your story. And what your parents did, um, you know, kind of keeps the ball going. And God is so like that when he starts a story, it just keeps going and going. And so I'm so glad that you took the time to be on the show to tell your story. But in a much bigger picture, just really encouraging families to find adult Healthy adults that are adopted that can we can glean from and say, hey, teach me about your experience. So thank you so much for being on here. Thanks for having me. I have one last question for you. I want to know. Okay. Are you going to adopt?
0: That's a great question. Um, I recently got engaged, so um, we've talked about it, but um, it's not it's not something we're necessarily obviously working on now. But um, we're open to it. So I would love to if that's what um, God's plan is for us. But I think we're working on getting married first, and then we'll talk about the rest
1: later. It's <laughs> a good idea. So when you go to <laughs> Korea, come back on the show and, and talk about your experience going back to your your mother country.
0: That sounds great.
1: All right. Thanks, Megan. Thank you. And thank you for tuning in to Adoption Now. We'll be back next week. If you'd like to listen to any of our podcasts, you can go to iTunes and they're under Adoption Now. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, and all of Megan's information and her story and a picture of her are going to be on our Facebook page. We'll see you next week.